Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 206, recording this live on All Hallows' Eve. That would be October 31st, 2014. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and with me. You know what? We should have gotten costumes. We should have been wearing costumes this evening. Son of a gun. <laughs> With me from Toronto. Take it away, Mr. Khan. Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association. Happy Halloween. Well, it'll be passed by the time you're watching this, but happy Halloween since it's, it's Friday, Halloween. You'll be all fat and stuff when, now, you're, when you're listening. I mean, I, I, and I know that doesn't apply to anybody who's watching pretty much outside of North America because you don't have Halloween, but... What? 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 North America hasn't extended its tentacles of commercialism all the way out to the rest of the world. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Well, we should. Well, have, we okay, should have tell you what. Up. If you don't have Halloween, yeah. just go like go go back into the the way back cycle of music and and pull up Michael Jackson's Thriller and just listen to that Vincent Price monologue piece and you'll be you'll be fine. You get a little bit of Halloween right there. How's that? One of the best monologues ever. And how do you combine Michael Jackson and Vincent Price into one song? Probably, ha- I'm, look- I'm looking it up. I probably have it on my phone right you here. You probably do. <laughs> That's <laughs> astounding. Hold on, I gotta get to get it to that point though. Okay, I'll keep talking over it. Oh, here it is. We'll just it's let coming, it play it's This is it. Midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize y'all's neighborhood. And whosoever shall be found without the soul for getting getting down. We got a show to do. We do. It is a Halloween show. But I remember seeing this. I think maybe I was like, I I couldn't have been more than nine, ten years old when I saw that for the first time. We saw it in a class. And uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Michael Jackson was well behind his t- well, uh, well beyond his time, shall we say? He was well ahead of yes. his time. All right, well, we got a great show today. Uh, we've got our uh, ten big stories of the past week. We have a great resource. We're going to break it down. We're going to break two of these stories down and uh, kind of elevate it a little bit and give you some themes of uh, some of the ten stories that we've got, as we usually do. Don't have a guest. I think we were guested out last week. If you made it through that, that marathon of an episode last week. This one will promise to be shorter. I promise you this episode will be shorter. I promise, promise, promise. But before we get into any of this, Asif, uh, no rest for the weary. You left Retail Loco and then headed out to New York for a cup of coffee and then Dallas and back home. What the hell were you doing on the road again? Don't you take any time off? Uh, you know, Christmas will be be here soon. That's that's when I take time off. Christmas but, uh, yeah. I'll be dead soon. That's when I'll sleep. I'll be dead soon. I'm so yeah, I I uh, I hopped over to uh, to New York for uh, Ad Age had a uh, conference on on data, and uh, and marketing, and there was a panel on location, uh, which was uh, which was really interesting. Uh, you know, had a good time uh, there and talking about some of these issues and a lot of privacy discussion. Um, and then I, I hopped over from there over to Dallas and um, was part of something called the Venture Spur Pitch Day. Venture Spur is a incubator uh, venture. Venture Fund Group uh, down in Dallas, and uh, they they do this annual pitch day where they bring uh, the VC community together, um, entrepreneurs, um, mentors, uh, and kind of put everybody in a room. And uh, 
they had, I think, six companies pitch, um, um, and, and also six companies who are already in the incubator uh, kind of talked about the experience. Really, really good day, and I, and I got to do the keynote, which was kind of fun. And the best part is, and, and Rob and I talk about this all the time, right? If you watch this show and you know where we're going to be, you know, come up to us and tell us that you'll, you like the show. And and we'll give you the hug, like the real hug. And and Mylin was there. Uh, we we, sh- we gave her a shout out before on the show, and she came up to me, and it was good to meet her in person. And got the hug, got the photo. It's all good. I I that that made my day yesterday. That made my day. Go. So yeah. So uh, no no rest for the wicked. Uh, that that was this this past week. And what's I'm next for to, you? Uh, I'm off to Las Vegas on Monday for the Money 2020 yes. uh, event. Like this has got to be the biggest conference that I I've attended all year. Um, Seven thousand attendees, it's completely sold out. Seven hundred and fifty CEOs, they're saying, will be there. Um, like just just crazy crazy size uh, around this conference. I'm doing a cool panel. I got uh, uh, SK Telecom slash Shopkick uh, on a panel with me. Uh, I got Howard Curtis, who's been on this show from Mapco, convinced him to come join the panel. So. Um, it's good. It's gonna. It's gonna be a good, uh, a good little discussion around beacons and 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 indoor. Um, and a lot of retailers, I think, are coming out this time too. It's not just about payments anymore, even though it's still called Money Twenty Twenty. Uh, so that that'll be interesting. And then I'm and then I'm leaving that on Wednesday and flying over to New York again. Um, I don't know. It's it's just conference season. So I'm gonna yeah. I'm I'm, I'm heading over to New York because uh, AdTech uh, is on, and I'm doing a, a little panel for them. And at the same time, I'm not going this year, but uh, CETW is on uh, in New York as well, uh, which which we've supported in the past. Um, so there's a lot going on uh, in New York and Las Vegas and, and everywhere else. And then all that said, three quick uh, LBMA events I want to make mention of. Toronto has an event on November the 18th in the evening, uh, hosted by Cossette, the big agency here. Uh, and that's all about wearables. Uh, we got a fantastic panel. I think Rob's coming in for that. Are you coming in for that? Rob's uh, going to be. It's my plan. Yep. For that. Um, and then uh, uh, on the uh, on the twentieth, uh, the Atlanta chapter is hosting an event on beacons with Gimbal uh, and InMarket and a, and a few other great companies down there. Coca Cola is on that panel as well. Uh, so that'll be interesting. And then December the sixteenth, the Chicago chapter uh, just announcing. Uh, that they're doing an event on beacons called Beacons and Beer, um, and uh, and that that's put on by uh, or being hosted by by 1871 where Retail Loco was, uh, and uh, and the Bleon guys that make the anchor uh, little devices. So, all right. Well, what do you say we jump into these stories to see if ten big stories of the week? Uh, we're going to pull out two themes out of these ten big stories. We'll see if you can guess them, uh, and then we've got a resource of the week. We'll wrap this thing up in a swift, tight little package. Why don't you? kick off our stories this week let's do it so the first story is from the wonderfully fabulous neiman marcus uh and they've uh, they've got they've had an app for for a long time now but they launched this new mobile uh app feature called snap find shop uh love this thing so basically wherever you are out and about wandering the streets and and seeing stuff around you you can just basically snap a photo of it it image recognizes it, goes out and finds it, and lets you buy it uh, from Neiman Marcus. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty cool, simple stuff. Uh, I mean, the simplicity is what's so cool about it, and it and it really is, uh, you know, sort of 
just enabling people to buy something that they see that they want wherever they are. You don't have to come to the store to do this. You can do it, um, you know, uh, on this on the street uh, in in a in a window somewhere else. Uh, you know, in a restaurant, wherever you are, um, um, and and I like it. It's really cool. Uh, they're using uh, technology from a company called Slice. Uh, that's uh, S L Y C E, three uh, D visual search technology from those guys to to power this. Um, and I think it's really smart. And it'll be part of what we talk about on the tail end here uh, with the uh, the big wrap up. So uh, Neiman Marcus launches Snap Find Shop, uh, an extension to their existing mobile app. Yeah, I like that. Can't wait to have that conversation. Second story is uh, a little bit uh, of a uh, of maybe not a touchy subject, but certainly something that we're starting to see a lot, which is uh, enabling mobile and location for good. This is something uh, around uh, the Tears Foundation, which is transform education about rape and sexual abuse. And this is out of Africa, and it's uh, founded by uh, Mara Glennie, who uh, they basically aim for this organization to be a one-stop port of call for information about all aspects of rape and sexual abuse. And its hope is to facilitate better care, proper support, and positive outcomes for victims nationwide. And this is in Africa. And they're partnering with a with CellFind, uh, application service provider CellFind. They, they chose them to be able to use their uh, as their technology partner because of its location-based service capabilities, which will help to connect South African rape and sexual abuse victims with emergency support faster when they uh, contact the organization for help. Now, the whole goal here is to provide faster assistance to rape victims when they need it. So this is a great use of location-based and location-aware um, information to help for a good cause. That's the Tears Foundation and CellFind. There you go. And our third story is uh, coming from a cloud-based uh, mobile app uh, development company called AppyPy. That's A-P-P-Y. Mm, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I want some uh, Apple they've Pie. Launched a new, <laughs> they've launched a new location-based directory API. So basically, if you're out there and you're trying to build uh, you know, any kind of app uh, that requires a, a location lookup directory service to find uh, you know, properties and buildings and, and things around you, uh, they, they now have a new tool that, that can help you do this. So it's uh, for store finders, restaurant locators, city guides, uh, any, any apps like that. Uh, they, they've basically created an, an API for both Android and iOS uh, that allows you to do this. And it comes with some pretty advanced features. Uh, you can add categories uh, with, with listings in both uh, by uh, alphabetical order or what they call freshness. Not sure what a freshness is. Um, you can do uh, standardized search uh, by address or by postal codes. Uh, you can use location to detect uh, automatically detect position uh, and closest listings nearby. You can calculate distances in kilometers and/or miles, um, and a whole bunch of other stuff in there. So there's a lot in this thing. So you know, instead of trying to go build this all yourselves, here, here's somebody who's basically put out an API that does all this you know stuff for you in terms of lookups uh, around uh, directory services. Appy Pie. Appy Pie with a little a la mode. Appy Pie a la mode. There you go. Or Appy Pie a la API. Mm, something. It's terrible. Moving on. Uh, our fourth story is a little bit of a funding update. But first, before we get to the funding update, an acquisition. Uh, Brickstream, it's a 14-year-old company that makes sensors and software to help retailers track and analyze shoppers, announced that it has acquired two-year-old startup Nomi. And this is in an all-equity deal. No cash involved. All stock. Nomi is an all-encompassing micro-location platform that offers every tool needed to measure, analyze, optimize, and optimize every aspect of a store, including marketing, loyalty, labor, and operations. It's crazy, 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 crazy. Like, they do everything. And uh, you wonder why it was an all-stock acquisition. It's because they did everything but couldn't make money at anything. Hmm. So, Brickstream... 
purchase them uh, for an all stock transaction. Yeah, and, and, and I think you know the one key point here before before you move on to the funding is yeah. the, 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 this is a direct result of Brickstream's failure because uh, you know the, the, their whole platform. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, Nomi's, Nomi's failure. failure. Yeah. Nomi's failure because their whole platform was based on. You know, uh, pinging off Wi-Fi signals in the stores, and then when Apple, uh, with the latest uh, change in iOS, decided that they were going to, oh. you know, change the way this worked, it basically put them out of business. And it's what Rob and I talk about on the show all the time. If you're going to go build something, you know, you better have something that you own, right? It don't don't rely on Twitter's API, Facebook's API, whatever. And and, and to quote, I mean, like I, like I, I'm going to just because because you can't say it better than this guy right here. This is uh, Nomi CEO. Mark Ferrantino, okay, and, 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 he, and he says, don't be a Google bitch, don't be a Facebook bitch, and don't be a Twitter bitch. Be your own bitch. That's what he says. <laughs> what? Uh, wow. That's a quote. Um, was yeah. that before or after he had to yeah. roll his company? He says, despite the layoffs, the Apple News was not earth-shattering because the company had already been expanding its offerings beyond data from mobile Wi-Fi. Yeah, well, it didn't go very far. That's but in other words, don't yeah. be somebody's bitch. That is a great advice. Bitch. My God, that's there the name of this go. episode. Be your own Lesson bitch. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. And we're seeing it all over the place. At least he had the yeah. balls to come out and say it, right? Which is exactly yeah. his biggest mistake right there, there sucking on somebody else's teat. Exactly. Yeah, but that's when it's an all-stock deal, when it's an all-equity deal, you know that it's not right. There's no value in that, right? It's just basically absorbing, laying off. Somehow the technology will be a part of it, and um, it's not good. All-stock is not something that anybody should agree to unless you're going quickly out of business. All right, now the uh, second piece of this is a funding mogul, uh, which is a uh, San Diego-based company that lets its users spend money at partner merchants, mostly restaurants and bars, yep. And they get a percentage of that money back. So if you go into a restaurant, you go into a bar, and you spend money in those restaurants that are participating in this, you'll get, at the end of the month, you'll get basically a refund. It's like being um, Costco Pro or Gold member, where you spend a certain amount of money, you get a check at the end of the day, at the end of the year. This time you get it at the end of the month. They raised $11 million from Avalon Ventures, Sigma Ventures, Austin Ventures, and Correlation Ventures, as well as some angel investors. They have raised a total of $25 million to give you some money back when you go out to a restaurant. That's Mogul, M-O-G-L, Mogul, raises $11 million. bucks. There you go. It's a good story. All right. Our next story is about Facebook. One of the bitches, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so they, they've uh, they've relaunched a service that uh, they kind of launched quietly a while back uh, called Atlas. Uh, and so they came out this week, uh, basically saying, "Hey, you know, uh, we think this is the timing is right now." And this is all about the whole idea of what we call. Uh, you know, persona-based advertising. Uh, this this new movement around persona-based advertising, and so it's the ability to target audiences without cookies. Um, right. And um, and it's really interesting. So basically, uh, you know, they, um, you know, we all know what a cookie is from a web perspective. A little snippet of data they they stick in there, and it remembers you know what site you've been to when you come back. So they're doing this now w without cookies, right? And and the Atlas uh, piece is, is relying basically on combining a whole bunch of data sets, location data, gender data, you know, a whole bunch of demographic profiling stuff. So the ads that you're seeing, um, you know, that are coming through this Atlas platform are, aren't cookie based at all. They're based on on true profile per personal data. Uh, bit scary, bit crazy, but that's the world of that we're in right now. And I think, for the most part, I think people, at least people on Facebook. Um, you know, um, 
have, have kind of uh, f feel like in general, I think when you, if you were to survey the Facebook population right now, people are generally okay with uh, you know the, the, the exchange of, of value that they're getting there. Uh, they, they've done a decent job of, of sort of you know um, ascribing value to you know being on Facebook and and in exchange for that you know seeing certain ads and things like that. So this is interesting. Um, I like it, it, it kinda, but it goes across screens too, right? So it does cross screens. Yeah. Yes, that's that's the big thing for me is this whole yeah. concept of that uh, data following you wherever you go, just like Facebook. Mm -hmm. All right, our sixth story. I don't know anybody who could do this story more justice than my good friend Chuck Martin. We're going to be talking about the Swirl uh, ad exchange that I think is a monumental approach to ads, and especially the way that Chuck describes it here. So I'm going to let him fill us in on this. This is Chuck Martin. Author extraordinaire, mobile guy, mobile guru, mobile payments, beaconator, whatever you want to call him. We also do a uh, mobile minute, and here is one of those mobile minutes about the Swirl Ad Exchange. This is the Mobile Commerce Minute with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Chuck Martin. This is the Mobile Commerce Minute. My name is Rob. And my name is Chuck. All right, Chuck, so beacons are about to make retailers into ad networks. Yeah, go figure. Uh, There's actually a pretty interesting announcement recently. A uh, Boston-based company called Swirl, uh, which has been in the, basically the ad network business, but using beacons in a really big way with companies like Lord & Taylor, Hudson's Bay up in Canada and so forth. And they just announced uh, or introduced into the marketplace the what they call the Swirl Ad Exchange. And what it is, it's really for proximity-based in-store mobile marketing. What this does is it allows the retailer to have a dashboard so they can see basically their departments essentially where the beacons are. Then it gives the brands a dashboard and then the brand sits there and says, um, it's a cosmetics company. I think I want to buy the cosmetics departments in these 4,500 stores. And if they're approved by the retailer who has to say, they say, okay, you can buy them for uh, the next two, next, next week. So they sell their department essentially. So when a consumer gets near that department or in the department near the product because of the beacon and the, the app and so forth, they get a message basically from the brand and the revenue stream goes to the retailer. So the retailer is becoming a publisher, if you will, and that's coming through another publishing platform, which would be whoever has the the, the the app that the customer uses, and that, that could be, in the case of, of Swirl and Lord & Taylor, it's SnipSnap, uh, the coupon app. So it could be that app. So all of a sudden, there's revenue exchange. And then what happens over time, and, and I, I, I talked to Hilmi uh, uh, Oscook, the founder and CEO of Swirl. So I got a briefing on the, the whole thing of, what, of how they're doing it. What happens over time is that there becomes bidding. So this becomes real time. So the brands say, no, no I, want, I want that department, not you. Uh, so I'm going to pay more for it. And what we're looking at is, is in a range, uh, Hilmi said, in, in the 50, 50 cents to $1.50 per view. Not, not CPM, but per view. Because when you think of the value, you've got the person who's, I mean, they're right there to buy. At the moment of purchase, they're in a store, and the value that the, to reach that person is, is off the charts. So that bidding uh, is going to be all, it's all prog programmatic. So it's going to be automa automated, and it'll be in real time. So we're moving to real-time bidding in-store for an in-store network. That was Chuck Martin telling us about the Swirl Ad Exchange launch. Over to you, Mr. Khan. All right. Uh, so our seventh story is about iHeartRadio. Um, uh, these guys, uh, you know, obviously they've recently rebranded re uh, to iHeartRadio. 
Uh, and so they're out there trying to, you know, get this brand in, in front of people, uh, get this new name in front of people. And one of the things that they've done that's uh, kind of cool around this is they've, they've created this vending machine that has T-shirts and sunglasses in it, branded T-shirts and sunglasses in it. Um, and they're taking it around the country. They, they've, uh, I, I think it's uh, it's set up to go to how many campuses, university campuses, uh, 10 stops, 10 college campuses in the Midwest and South including Arizona State University of Texas, Florida State University. Um, and what they're doing is basically you see this thing, you go up to it, uh, you take a photo, uh, you know, and it's posted to an uh, Insta Instagram hashtag that they want you to go th uh, to do this to. And, and in exchange for doing this and creating content for them, you basically spits out, um, you know, a, a T-shirt or, or some sunglasses. Um, and um, I like it. It's Instagram for swag, basically, <laughs> uh, is what they're calling this. And they say that in the first uh, week alone that it's been out uh, on, on tour, 5.7 million impressions, uh, likes, shares, and views have been generated through this, uh, through this machine already. How many T-shirts have been sent then? Five Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But that's a lot. That's, that is a lot. Um, so, so yeah, and basically it's just going to the hashtag uh, iHeartRadio. So I mean, it's definitely a great brand building uh, exercise for them to kind of go out and get this there, and especially with with that audience, right, with that demographic of you know people on college campuses. So I think it's uh, it's pretty pretty smart move. You know, I I always have a problem with uh, Instagram as a as a platform to focus on simply because you can't do a call to action. There's no URLs available inside of this. It's it's very much a a branding. You know, uh, you measure by likes, right? And that's a vanity metric. There's nothing. Mm. There's no way to get somebody from an Instagram page or a, a post into your website unless you put it in your profile, right? You can do a link in your profile, and I've seen people do that, but it's too cumbersome. So, you know, I'm not I, like I, I think that there's opportunity here, but um, you, they just rolled out their ad network right this past week. Over the last couple of days, they've rolled out these 15 second ads, and uh, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how that works because there's got to be some kind of clickable action. That has to that emanates from that, but um, like th this is interesting to me. But like that's a lot of impressions for nothing, for no measurement, no capability right. other than brand awareness. iHeartRadio. There you go. Wow. All right, that's my rant. Our eighth story. Hey, listen, did you have an extra hundred eleven dollars? Is he gonna borrow an extra hundred eleven dollars? <laughs> somebody, uh, somebody tagged my house and my car with a little bit of graffiti, and instead of uh, doing anything about it, like cleaning it off, I, I want to put a frame around it. I don't want to call it art. There you go. All right. Embrace it. Well, I'm going to. You might as well. For at least $111, a Brooklyn company will put a frame around your favorite graffiti and give you a certificate of authenticity as owner of that art. I'm going to say that again. You can pay somebody $111 so that they can put a frame around some graffiti and give you a certificate of authenticity so you own that art. The project named Wall Mart, get it? Wall M Art, Wall Mart. Mm. <laughs> okay. Hopes to elevate defaced brick and concrete walls using gilded frames and uh, plaques to a sort of uh, turn it into like a little street museum. So far, how many There's, people have done this? Legal issues around this. Right? Well, I'm just saying, like four people have actually done this. Four people have actually paid $111 okay. and have bought it. I'm just waiting for the uh, street artists, the graffiti artists, to uh, start asking for their cut. We're going to get some serious lawsuits that are going to be happening at this point in time because uh, they, that's just what America does. They do this. People pay $111 to put a frame around graffiti. 
Good and is this available God. anywhere or just in New York? I, it just, or just Brooklyn, man. Just Brooklyn um, because there's way too much money, than, way too much more money than cents in, in Brooklyn. $111 to go and put a frame around some graffiti and then get a certificate of authenticity. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So somebody has made $444 from, from that idea. And if that person can make $444 from that idea, you out there, the fine listener or fine watcher, should be able to make a million dollars off of your idea. Don't be held back by a stupid idea because obviously it pays. Okay. Walmart. Walmart. Get it? Walmart. Art. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Our ninth story is about that fantastic luxury uh, brand Hermes uh, over in Paris. These guys have created uh, a whole new website, a whole new web experience uh, called La Maison de Carré. I guess is how you say that. Yeah, Carré. La Maison de Carré. Uh, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. You got to go check this thing out. Uh, um, go to this website and look at this. The idea was is, is to you know uh, the brand, uh, the Hermes brand is is all about you know sort of um, uh, personalized touch, uh, you know high end uh, quality of, of product. Um, you know everything's handmade. You know all that kind of stuff, right? And um, and what they wanted to do with the web experience is, is kind of almost you know replicate what you see in the actual physical stores. Uh, the same feeling, the same ambiance that you have in, in, in the in the physical store, in the online store, um, and so you go to this site. It's completely immersive, uh, with playful animations, surprising gestures, and functionality. Uh, it recreates the act of discovery um, that you would you would see in the physical store, with over 600 different models of silk scar uh, squares, shawls, twills, scarves, and stoles, um, and uh, and and the purchasing. They've made it dead simple as well. Um, the uh, it, it's it, it, you just have to go to this site and see it. It's one of the like most immersive, creative sites I've actually ever seen in my life. Um, uh, it, it's just it's just super cool. Um, and you go through, it, and I'm not I'm not gonna go shop at Hermes. It's not it's not my brand, but um, you know it, it's it, it's it's worth going to the site just to see what is possible. When you when you think in this way around web design uh, and creating a, a virtual store, if you will, that people can buy from, and, and trying to sort of emulate what you have in the physical world, so you know, uh, I love it. I, I think it's it's fan, just fantastically done. It's a beautiful, beautiful site. You've seen some of the images that, if you're watching this, you it would have scrolled past a seaf, and and I would have given you a little bit of a glimpse of what that was. But certainly go to the uh, go to the website. You can find those links and every link for the show. At uh, on on tether.tv, of course, this is episode number two hundred and six. We can go to the lbma.com and uh, look it up there as well. All right, our last story uh, before we do our two big deep dives is uh, this this company called Touch Tunes partnering with Kinetic Active Exchange, which is I guess it's part of WPP. Is it? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, so uh, Kinetic Active Exchange is a large cross-screen location-aware advertising platform in the United States. And uh, it was actually, it partnered with TouchTunes, which is basically, the best way to describe it is a, a, the number one interactive entertainment platform in North America. These guys have 60,000 locations in the U.S., 71,000 around the world. And it's basically like a digital jukebox. It does a bunch more things, but you can interact with an app. 
you can actually uh, you know call music you can watch videos you can actually now order it from tables there's all over the restaurants uh, in the states as well it's a pretty big platform and so uh, kinetic active exchange has a bunch of clients this that use that obviously it's location aware advertisements that are now being pushed through to touch tunes um, and this is basically uh, now uh, every every one of WPP's clients can leverage these 70,000 71,000 uh, local or global locations that touch tunes is in so it's pretty uh, amazing uh, you know that's the best way that's the simplest way that I can explain it is that you've got something like touch tunes which is an elect electronic or digital jukebox in, in a physical location it's got you know you can take photos you can do all that kind of stuff listen to music and then you've got this ad exchange that has WPP clients you put those two together in locations that's what you've got contextual ads sitting in these devices I, there you I don't, go. is that about that's the only way I can describe it that makes well, it, that, that, was, that was clear to me all right clear as mud those are the top 10 stories of the week. If we missed yours, it's because you didn't give it to us. Shame on you. Please, please, please reach out. RobinUntether.tv or Seif at TheLBMA.com. We will run your story. Let us know. Send us a press release. Do what you can. Make it a personal note. We'll run it in the top 10. At least we will draw attention to it if it fits into with, you know, with any of the stories that we've already done. Uh, we have two stories that we want to draw your attention to. The first is we're going to be talking about uh, this concept that the world is an advertisement. And this is based on our first story, which was the Neiman Marcus snap, snap Shop, Snap Find Shop. And then we also want to talk about this, what's going on in the world of ad exchanges. Everybody, there's like, everybody's an ad exchange now. We, we talked uh, certainly about touch tunes and kinetic active exchange. And we've also talked about, listen, you heard Chuck about talking about Swirl and uh, uh, ba basically an in-mall ad exchange. But before we do that, Three ways you can support this show. Three simple ways. One is very expensive. You can sponsor the damn thing. If you are an organization that has a whole lot of cash, just like picture yourself with money flowing out of your pockets. Can you picture that, Asif? It's like no. I can't even like I can't even I can't even fit any more money in my pockets. You don't know what to do with it. Hey, come on over. Those are the folks that we want to have sponsored this podcast. Uh, you can reach out to me, Rob, at untether.tv or Asif at thelbma.com. We would gladly have you on as a sponsor. The next most expensive way is to go to patreon.com forward slash untether. Drop us a couple of bucks in support. These are for the individuals. You guys out there who get some value out of this. And we heard some great things while we were in Chicago. I've heard some great things, you know, otherwise uh, around the podcast and how much it helps businesses. So if you find it in your heart, you feel like you want to contribute, go to patreon.com forward slash untether. Give us a bunch of bucks. Maybe one is not enough, but a hundred is too much. I'm just going to leave you in that gap, right? Between two and $99 would be great per month. That's perfect. It's perfect. My kids need braces. The last thing you can do, if you don't have any money, you don't work for a big company with a lot of money floating out of their pockets, just go to wherever you found this fine podcast, this fine episode, and wherever there's a rating system, give us five stars and leave a review. Take a photo, a screen grab of that review, send it to me, robinontether.tv. We'll read it right here on the air. And... We will thank you profusely. And then when we see you in real life, we'll give you the biggest hug you've ever had. So very expensive, not expensive. All of it is our currency. All of it is appreciated. That is it. Sermon done. Boom. There you go. On to the stories, Asif. So you, uh, I really like this idea. Neiman Marcus, Snap, Find, Shop. Uh, it reminds me of Amazon's plays, right? Uh, and Amazon does. as a virtual uh, shop, soon to be a, a physical shop. But Neiman Marcus... So physical, so physical, getting into the digital, physical digital world. I like it. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and I think it, it kind of points to, you know, the, this whole idea that we talk about is is, is just, you know, you keep, the store isn't just, the, you know, the, the bricks and mortar anymore. It's wherever the customer is. And, you know, let's just enable them to buy from us no matter what. I mean, if you want to grow your share, uh, then this, this, is, this is the strategy you have to take around it, right? And so I think it's really smart that Neiman Marcus is doing that. I think the the, the method that they're using with the slice technology, um, you know, it, it, we're moving to a world where, you know, search is going to be image-based, it's going to be location-based. Uh, you know, the Amazon, the flow technology that Amazon uses in the Firefly device uh, is all image-based recognition. Uh, that's the same kind of thing that, that uh, Neiman Marcus is doing here. Um, you know, where, where, you know, you just sort of scan the image of the product that you want, it goes and automatically character, you know, recognizes it from an image point of view against the database, comes back with a price and lets you buy it. Uh, without you typing anything into a search engine, I mean uh, that's that's awesome. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's the ease of use of these things that that I think makes sense. You know, I think we we've talked in the past about Pinterest playing in this space a little bit uh, and experimenting with some some business models around this. Um, so we're going to see more and more of of this kind of thing where you know let's just enable people to shop when they see something they want wherever that might be. You know, this this changes the world of advertising for me because if everything becomes an advertisement, it does two things. It changes the world for advertising. So, you know, we all covet what our neighbor has, right? We always want, I look over and I see that, I say, hey, maybe I want that. Um, I'm always intrigued by how much things cost in life. I think everybody is. When you, when you reach an age, you're like, I wonder how much that costs. Really? Who would spend that much money? When you're mm -hmm. young, you didn't really understand what it meant to spend any money on stuff. But if you want this lamp that's sitting right next to me, now there's no reason why you couldn't do it. Like, see, I have a guitar in, my, in the back here. I'm not sure that you can see it on the screen. But with this technology, you can recognize this guitar and you could buy that exact guitar. And, and without having an advertisement. So the world really does become this flat space of, of advertisement free, but it's all advertisement. The second thing that it does is it cuts out the middleman which is really interesting why somebody like Neiman Marcus would be involved in this because they know somebody's going to build this platform like Slice. They know that they're going to start to leverage this and they know that they're going to get a cutout. Esquire did this with their magazine, the very mm -hmm. first uh, you know, augmented uh, reality uh, magazine where you could actually take your phone, scan over a product and order it from what? The Esquire store. Not Neiman Marcus, yep. not Amazon, but the Esquire store. And I think that that yeah. is a fascinating and, and business. Even model. like two years ago, eBay was playing around with eBay TV. Remember, yep. you, you, you know, you'd be watching the hockey game or something, and you see the guy there uh, skate by, and you're like, hey, you I, know, want that. I, want that jer I want that jersey, you know, right from the TV. Yeah. And, you know, he captures it, goes and finds the jersey for you on the eBay marketplace, and here you go. You can buy it. So, I mean, it's the same thing, right? It, it's just about, you know, sort of capturing uh, folks at the moment when they see something they want and enabling them to buy it. Yep. And and this is, it's a very good example of it. The best way I classified that I've heard the slice technology classified is, is Shazam for products, right? Because mm -hmm. that's exactly what it's doing. But you know, here, here's where it breaks down for me when you, when you put a brand like Neiman Marcus in it. Now, first of all, it's beyond Neiman Marcus, right? So I wonder about limitations. So if I scan something and it's not in the Neiman Marcus catalog, the product doesn't exist. I can't buy it at that moment. There's lost right. an opportunity. So you have to expand your catalog if you're in this business, which I don't know if Neiman Marcus would want to do that. But I think that there's a huge opportunity for a company to be able to aggregate, like buy.com, right? To aggregate everybody's buy, everybody's inventory, and then layer on that local piece of inventory and then be able to get it right away. So if I can do that, man, 
I can scan it. I can understand where that lamp is. I can get it locally, or I can have it delivered locally the same day. Mm -hmm. You start to see that those kind of te technologies layer on top of it. Um, but I'm not a Neiman Marcus brand lover, right? So I don't use that. So I think that there's a bigger play here for a company that aggregates everything. And maybe that is Amazon. Maybe that's why I think that Amazon wins hands down here. Um, but not with their phone, apparently. But maybe the technology. Apparently not. Not their technology. They just got to give it away. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they just give it away to uh, to their Amazon Prime folks? Yeah. That's the best strategy I've ever heard. So this this is really cool. The world becomes an advertisement. Everything is for sale at any point in time. And in order for that to come true, you basically have to create the whole Earth catalog. Yeah. But while we're waiting to get there, yeah. apparently we need more exchanges. Ad more exchanges. and more places to put ads. Yes. Right. Didn't we just say that the advertisement is dead? I thought so. But. I thought so too. <laughs> oh, what, uh, do you, what do you think of this idea of uh, you know uh, companies l using their space, like malls, for example, um, to be able to turn that into a controlled, closed ad network? This is what Swirl wants to do, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I look at it from from. Let's leave the consumer out of it for yeah. a moment, right? I, I think if you're Touch tunes, yep. and you've got you know seventy one thousand locations across the planet that have you know your digital jukebox in them, yep. or your uh, swirl, and you've got beacons out there all over the place, um, you know, uh, or you're a mall uh, in in your example, and you've got physical space uh, with screens in it or what have you. I, you know, I, I think why wouldn't you look for you know ways to you know increase the revenue that you can get from you know from these physical uh systems these assets that you have in place um and you know by by delivering an ad on it right i mean i think that makes sense if if you were if you're if you own this uh you know if you've you if you made the capital investment to do this yep. right and let me add one more to it you know we talked a few weeks ago about captivate in the elevators and XAD, yep. same thing. Yep. This is the same thing, right? We, we also talk talked about the Wi-Fi guys who, uh, in mall Wi-Fi, that had a landing page that it was yeah. selling advertisement, right? So I, I think you're going to see, you know, like anytime you have an existing install base of, you know, some sort of uh, digital uh, delivery mechanism, you know, uh, that can reach consumers, uh, you need to find other ways to monetize this, yep. right? And I think the, the smart thing is, look, when I was in the Wi-Fi business. You know, the hardest thing for me wasn't selling, you know, the, uh, the restaurant chains and the retailers on putting Wi-Fi in, in their stores. It was like, who's actually going to buy ads on these things, right? Um, and, and the challenge was is that, you know, if I went out and had, you know, let's, let's say I went out and signed, you know, 50 coffee shops across Toronto. The problem that I ran into is, is you know, I go and talk to Coca-Cola. That's not a good example, but I, I, <laughs> I, I go and talk to, um, you know, the, uh, uh, I don't know, the Nutrigrain bar company or yeah. whatever that yeah. might have product in that coffee shop. And I'd say, hey, you know, you should run an ad on, on, on this network, right, that I've built with the, across these 50 coffee shops. And what, here's what they would say. They would say, you know, we're interested but we only want these four coffee shops from your network because this is like where we think our, you know, our, our prime customers are. We don't want the entire network. And, and, and that's the challenge that you know, when, you're, when you're the on the other side, when you're the, the mall owner or the individual coffee shop guy and you're on your own and you've got, or you've got a single digital jukebox in your location, trying to get, you know, sell advertising on that is an impossible task. Right. 
So you actually need a swirl or you know uh, a kinetic or somebody to, that that can bring a whole network effect and exchange effect to the table where you have sort of economies of scale, right? That can bring you know big quantities of of, of, of advertising that you know you can deliver across your network. And I guarantee you, the kinetic guys are sitting there going and having that same discussion where you know Coca Cola or somebody or or the beer company is saying. Yeah, but you know we don't want all seventy-one thousand locations. We only want these three thousand over here, and and there becomes this competition, right, amongst competing brands for those three thousand premium locations, and then the other, you know, uh, sixty uh, sixty-eight thousand locations that are left over, kind of, you know, they they just get the, you know, the chaff. Yeah, or nothing at all. Or right. nothing at all. And, and, and so that, that's the challenge here. So, so if you own the, the actual physical asset in the, in the building, you've you got to embrace these exchanges. Yeah. The exchanges make sense. If you're the exchange provider, you know, yes, you want, you want to have you know, as wide a network as possible. But then you, you are going to run into this issue of how do you segment that? How, you know, what's premium? What's not premium? Or do you force everybody to buy the whole network? And I think that you'll see that very quickly. Um, you know, I like the idea of mall owners um, because they, they can control that. And of the 300 stores, say, in a mall like the Eaton Center, you could, you'll find the 10 that are willing to spend, right? And uh, you want the, there to be a pent-up demand. Mm. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, logical, that's a logical thing. Um, but the rest of it, like, yeah, nobody wants to be in 71,000. Nobody wants to be, if you're U.S.-based, you don't want to be in Europe. You don't want to be in the U.K. You want to be in the U.S. and you want to be in, the, in your home territory. Then you know where you're going to make some money. So, yeah. But this, this I, I think that, you know, it just shows the shift in the business uh, landscape where malls, you know, they're, they're starting to catch up. And these people who are creating these ad networks are starting to catch up. And everywhere you sit, everywhere there's dwell time, there's going to be an ad network. And it, when there's substantial dwell time, we started seeing screens going up in the, in the uh, you know, the food area of, um, of malls. Yeah. Right? And that was the first sign that this is, you got dwell time, we're going to put screens up there. We're not going to put TV, we're going to put advertising. And then for a long time, my gym here in Canada is called Good Life Gym, uh, Good Life Fitness, right? And they had TVs in all of the, uh, you know, the workout areas, and they had TVs in the in the uh, in the men's uh, change room. I don't know about the women's change room. Um, and they used to be like sports channels and all those kind of things. And now, you know what they do? They turned all that off so that they can do internal ad network. They have an internal ad network for themselves, and it drives me crazy. But all I see are ads for Good Life and the Good Life Partners. We're seeing this everywhere. This makes sense. We're going to see this roll out considerably. Yeah, you know, and, and just just on that last point, so a company we talked about a long time ago on this show, a uh, Canadian company uh, from uh, out on uh, out on the East Coast, PEI, um, called Screenscape. Yep. And these guys, if you if you remember, Rob, what, you know how, what their business model is, but basically what they do is is they're focused on community based, um, you know, uh, advertising screen screen networks. So what they do is is they they go to the good lives and they go to you know the local uh, mechanic shop and the local car dealership and the local you know doctor and dentist and hairdresser and whatever, and uh, they get you to you know put a, put a screen in uh, you know into these locations with with, with a you know a media player and a cloud based control uh, content control system, and then you can run your own ads on these things uh, and you pay like a little you know monthly fee for you know for for the service. But what's interesting about it is, is they set up this community-based advertising network, right? So if you were like, so think of a small town now, right? A small or or a suburb in a big town, right? Uh, with local businesses, and and the idea that you know the the local gym can run an ad, you know, on the screen in the mechanic shop, mm. and the mechanic can run an ad, you know, in the local gym, 
right? Um, it's kind of an interesting thing, but it, but it, but it's totally closed, and it, and it's within a you know sort of a, a, a you know a location based yeah. location specific yeah. network. Yeah. Uh, and I think those kinds of things have a lot of uh, a lot of power and potential too. That is a good example of it. I um, see. If I want to, I want to bring up one more, one more little thing that that just broke uh, over the last day or so. So that it would have been Thursday or Friday, which was this uh, concept. Uh, we didn't talk about this before, but I'd like to get your opinion about it. This this whole idea that Starbucks is now going to get into the delivery world, where you can order through. Uh, if you are a Starbucks loyalty uh, card carrying loyal uh, member, so basically you have the app and you have you have the. Mm -hmm. um, a loyalty program. You're part of the loyalty program. I think it's in Portland only right now. They're going to start rolling out delivery, coffee delivery to loyal customers. So you order ahead of time, and they and then they deliver. Uh, they put them in a car and they deliver it. Like you talk about uh, proximity, local, good service, consumer availability, all of those kind of things that we, we've talked about in this. And it comes down to Starbucks coming out with a barista on a bike delivering your coffee. Um, is this is this this can't, I can't imagine this this actually rolls out across the country. So so yeah, I, I think it's a a very difficult thing to scale you know across the country. I don't I don't see this kind of rolling out. I love the customer service aspects yes. of this. I think it, it it's beautiful. Um, you know, and, and I was talking recently to uh, somebody in the gas station convenience store space where you know they they uh, obviously sell a lot of coffee. They're trying to get people you know when they come to fill up gas to come into the stores. You know, it, it's an issue for for everybody. And and I said, you know, is it that you actually want them to come into the store, or do you actually just want them to buy more stuff that's available in the store, like coffee? Um, and, and they said, well, what's the difference? And I said, well, you know, the difference is like is you know, like they they have to get out of their car and physically walk into the store. I said. You know, what if they were able to pull up, you know, and through your mobile app, you know, order the stuff and you just have somebody run it out to their car. And I said, yeah. you know, for, for me, you know, like, and I'm not trying to be sexist, but, you know, think of the mom or the dad, I guess, you know, with, you know, that, that pulls up to the gas station. has got three screaming kids in the back, you know, and she wants a coffee. She's not going to leave her three kids in the car to run in the store to go get a coffee. Um, and she's not going to, like, spend the time to take them out of the car to bring them into the store to go get a coffee. So, like, if you if you can if you can make it so that she can order that you know through her app uh, you know on the way, and then you run the coffee out to her while she's filling up the gas, that's convenience, that's service, right? Um, and it, and I think it achieves what you want, which is to sell more stuff that's available in the store, right? And and I think from a Starbucks point of view, you know, I I, I think I, I can see the point here, you know, in terms of. Um, you know, we're, we're bringing that extra level of service, you know, maybe, maybe we sell more coffee as a result of it, but I think it's a hard thing to scale for somebody like Starbucks. I, I think so too. And we, we talked about this last week or the week before where, you know, the whole goal of Starbucks is dwell time, right? It is, it's being a part of the Starbucks experience and, yeah. and you know, it, it's the difference between going to like, where, where do we go for pizza there in, in Chicago? Uh, Lou Malnati's. Yeah. It's, it's a difference between that and pizza pizza. Or you know what I mean, or Domino's yeah. is that you, you know you go there for an experience and you're going to spend more money for the pizza, or you can just go and eat cardboard when you 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 go and buy Domino's right. or Pizza Pizza, right? So uh, it's one of these it's one of these um, you want people in the store, and that's why I don't understand where companies, uh, good brands, go ghetto like this, where they think you know we oh you know, we're going to deliver, yeah it's great because we're going to deliver, and it goes against the brand, the yeah, very and, nature of the but brand. See, the question I have for Starbucks is is you know. Like take a city like New York, where there's literally a Starbucks on yeah. every corner, and some corners have them like you know diagonally opposing each other. Yeah. You know, 
who's going to leave the, like you know the the actual physical environment to go you know deliver a coffee and to where I don't know to the guy standing on the you know on, on the corner that doesn't want to walk the extra five feet to, to open open the door and come in like Starbucks is a destination and and people right? people it's part of their habits so I I, so, I I don't get that either so order ahead maybe yeah maybe, order ahead I get yeah I mean the whole like arrival time thing that we talked about the other day yeah. I love it I think that makes sense yeah but deliver that, doesn't that's make sense. a scalable has value type of solution I think in what I describe in gas station scenario could work that could could yeah. work could have value just don't drink gas station coffee like come on some of it's good, man. Show some. Some of it is good. Yeah, okay, I'm yeah. telling you. Depending on the chain, you know, you could be drinking some Seattle's Best or something like that. You know, yeah. could, Seattle's Best that's warmed over for weeks, right? Oh, oh, all right. Uh, Those are the stories. We just, I just wanted to get your opinion about what Starbucks was doing uh, because it's it's fascinating to watch this. They think that they have to compete with that level, and you know, are they going to charge more? That's the other thing. I don't. They have these things called drive-throughs. People don't be lazy. Make your own damn coffee. What do you think about those stories? What do you think about Starbucks? Do you yeah. think, would you ever order Starbucks to deliver? I don't know. I don't know. I don't really like Starbucks no, anyways. I won't. So uh, reach out to us. Rob at Ontario.tv or Steve at the LBMA.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on those three stories. Uh, we got one last piece of business before we shut this sucker down. Hey, it being uh, Halloween, hey, it would be great to know where people died or where people are buried that people died. So this is the famous and the infamous See where the bodies are buried with Esri's Halloween story map. Asif, timely. Love it. Yeah, I mean, and we actually, I don't know, Esri's just, you know, they're great at this, right? You know, kind of taking geolocation data uh, and doing something fun with it, creating interesting visualizations of this. So um, I think, what was the one they did last year? It was, um, I think they plotted on the map of the U.S., uh, cities where uh, horror movies were done that's uh, right like amnyville and, and and things like that so and this time it's you know where the famous and infamous uh, bodies are buried um story map documenting the final resting places of some of the most famous and infamous actors artists authors and criminals from al capone to andy warhol and many more um with uh, each individual interactively explore high resolution imagery for for the cemetery or the burial site where they are interred and then, you know, I'm flipping through it here, and I'll show you in a second, and hopefully I can time this up properly. I, and it goes to, like, John Wilkes Booth, and they're all cityscapes, like, basically, uh, like, um, satellite image. And then there's this one with Marlon Brando, and it's basically right in the middle of the desert. Like, it's a desert pan shot. It's it's weird. But they've got Al Capone, uh, Butch Cassidy, uh, what do they have, uh, Salvador Dali. Oh, my goodness, this is great. James Dean, John Dillinger. Wow. Jimi Hendrix, Sir Alfred Hitchcock. Wonder if they have the Elvis Presley one because he's really not dead. What they do for that? That's it's cool. Z- zombie Presley. Yeah. It's Zombie Presley. Well, uh, we'll include this uh, obviously a link in the show notes. You can you can spend hours on this. It's it's very cool. Um, a good job, these guys. I like what Esri does here. This is good. There you go. All right, so those are the 10 stories and, of course, our resource of the week. A good deep dive into three, not two, but three big stories of the week. See, do we have anything else? Is that I it? think we're good. Well, that is it. This episode is done. We'll be back next week for episode number 207. And a brought to my attention because I can't do math. It just math is not my strong suit. That the week after episode number 208 is it is our fourth anniversary. Our it's fourth insane. anniversary. Four years. Four years we've been doing this show. But like that's amazing. Episode 208. If you like divide that by 52 weeks, dude, that's four years. It's incredible. Incredible. Insane. Incredible. I can't believe we're still doing it. 
We're my second longest relationship ever. There you go. Holy cow. There you go. Wow. So we, we will be back. Do I have to get like an anniversary band or something? I think it's like, it starts at five years, doesn't it? Starts at five? Okay. Starts at five. We've got a whole, we got a whole nother year. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry about it. All you, right. you can start thinking about it now. I'll put, I'll put my registry together. I'll, I'll send you the links of the things that I want. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. This has been episode 206. We'll be back for 207 next week. Thank you all for tuning in. We will see you next time on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Safe travels this evening. Thank you, sir. You're on. Oh, that's a Bruce Springsteen song. Oh, 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 I'm on fire. Thanks, Jack. Hmm.